what's up everyone this is the nuts and bolts podcast and i'm your host the one james here with our amazing co-hosts airball hey everyone and michael Gritz. what it do and we're here to give you the nuts and bolts of the standard and pioneer maybe sometimes modern formats each and every week but first let me talk to you about the sponsor of this podcast coolstuffinc.com using code james5 you can save five percent off of anything in the store sealed products singles anything you could ever need in magic the gathering they have it any other card game as well, go save yourself some hard-earned money and go to CoolStuffInc.com today. Let's start off with our upkeep. Jargon today is Dead Card, a card in hand that is irrelevant or unplayable. This may also be expressed with the phrase Dead Draw if the card was just drawn from the deck. This is, uh, I guess you can give me, Airball, a very awesome example because there's a lot of dead draws in your deck when there's a, in your control deck, when your opponent has a huge board and you're like, I just need the sweeper just one time and you draw a counter spell. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been in control mirrors before where my hand is just a bunch of board, a bunch of board wipes and some targeted removal and uh, that's it. And those are all dead. And it's like, I didn't draw my hand for the game. Michael, with your Rakdos gang gang, you're like, okay, just need one last creature off the top to beat this control deck. Any creature wins me the game. <gasps> Duress. <laughs> oh, I've been there. That's painful. Been, been, been there. Or you, like, your, your control opponent already is in their late game, so they have a board, and they don't have any cards in hand to even Duress. You're like, sick. Yeah. You direct you direct yeah, you duress and they have all creatures and lands, and you're like, hmm, interesting. How did your control deck morph into a creature deck? No clue. But that was I a deck like card. talking about this. This is PTSD. <laughs> Let's move on. You're like, wow, blue like control, I duress you and you have all dream trawlers. Sick hand. Oh god. <laughs> it's my nightmares. Like you you duress your control opponent, and this has happened to me before, where their hand was like all lands, dream trawler, Lyra. <laughs> I'm like, no. Yeah, they hit you with the nice and I just hit concede. Like, I'm good here. We're done. <laughs> uh the the look of satisfaction on Airball's face when when that happens, <laughs> sticking your tongue out. Okay, mm -hmm. um, we're going to move on to the main phase. I'm super excited to talk about this today. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the top five. Phyrexia, all will be one cards. And we all have each a different five. And we're going to go from Airball to Michael to me. And uh, they're all different in, in, in a, cool different, a cool way. We have a couple honorable mentions as well. So let's just start off talking about the honorable mentions before anything. We have the Fastlands, a cycle of them, coming into... Um, coming into standard, I mean, are already in standard, and and some of them introducing into Pioneer, like Blackleaf Cliffs and things like that, which racked us mid-range, I guess it needed an upgrade, and it got one. And uh, we have Copperline Gourd, so green, red, uh, aggro decks in standard get a little bit of a buff. Uh, we have a, a few other ones as well, so it makes the like the two and three color mana super good for some and super bad for others. I was playing a Simic deck today, and we don't have the, the Simic Fastland in standard because we didn't get that one in the set, and it feels extra bad. So um, definitely a lot of ways that we can utilize those lands in the new sets and into Pioneer. Also, I have another honorable mention that isn't actually like a land. It is Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. I felt like it was kind of an, a shoe-in, kind of obvious that Elish Norn would be in someone's top five. So we're just 
Going to talk about this one briefly, and then we're going to go over the rest of our top fives. Elstorm Mother of Machines, four and a white for a 4-7 Vigilance. You've probably heard about her. She's the only one you've probably wanted to pull out of your packs because I've seen all the variants and prices of this card, and let me tell you... Have you have you seen the prices of Elstorm? Of all the variants and stuff online? No. You haven't? I okay, you might want to look it up. For like 100 plus. <laughs> yeah. There's, like the multi there's yeah. multiple variants over 100. At, at least they That's were on pre-release day. It was crazy. Anyways, it's Vigilance. It's a 4-7. If a permanent entry in the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent, you control the trigger. That ability triggers an additional time. And then permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanence. Your opponents control the trigger. So uh, we had talked about this card in the past. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but... I, I see it being a player in standard and a player even in modern because there's a few things I want to talk about about this card that cannot get... There's a lot of things that can't get rid of this card in modern. In standard, you have a lot of different cards that can get rid of this, right? You have Go for the Throat, Infernal Grasp. You have the, a, a lot of white cards that get rid of this. There's uh, Depopulate and, and Farewell in the format. So your Elastorn's not going to stick as well as it will in modern. Because, let me tell you, there's not much that gets rid of this that's played in Modern currently. Obviously, Lightning Bolt doesn't get rid of this. Unholy Heat doesn't even get rid of this. Seven Toughness. Um, the, uh, the permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanence your control to trigger. It's crazy, because Fury can't get rid of this. If you, like, deal damage to this first, Fury can't. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, what else? The, the, the White Evoke Elemental still can't get rid of this. Whatever that's called, I forgot off the top of my head. Uh, uh, solitude. Uh, solitude can't get rid of this. Leyline binding can't get rid of this. The only thing that gets rid of this that's really played in standard, not standard, in modern, is like terminate. Mm. And so we, we might see the re rise of path to exile in modern, but just to deal with Elshnorn, oh, if people God. actually decide to play with this card, I don't see much else to deal with this. We don't talk a so, lot about modern, but I think Elshnorn will be a player in modern. You have, you have something to say, uh, Michael? I I it, I I'm interested to see if it does find a home. Uh, I mean, I think what you're saying is correct. It's a super powerful effect if it aligns with your deck. There is that like blink, aspiring spike deck where um, you have uh, I forget that one creature that like blinks things and it comes back and your ends up. You can get a plus one plus one counter for everything that it's like every time it blinks something. Yeah, Soul Herder from Modern Horizons. Right. So it might be like something pretty cool for that, but um five is a lot but i think it could be done i think you could swing it and then obviously in modern there's ways to cheat out things and and stuff like that so the earlier you can get it probably the better so i think i think this would be pretty interesting uh if it if it does find a home in modern it definitely will change it will it'll definitely change the texture of modern to a degree if yeah if, if, if this if the, the 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 moral story is like if this finds a home right because it could just never mm -hmm. find a home and it's too expensive and no one ever plays it but if it's ever played then it, it even turns off creativity we're turning off our kind of cruelty like it does a lot of stuff and turning off other people's decks and supercharging your own leyline binding exiles two things <laughs> so you're obviously you might be playing leyline binding in your elish Dorn deck and all of a sudden you're supercharging your own deck uh anything that you want to say about this airball are you playing this in standard or did you find a home in it somewhere else yeah, this is kind of weird. Um, it's like the signature card of the set, and it doesn't really seem to me to be a particularly good in Standard. Uh, it doesn't seem to me to be particularly good in Pioneer, and I'm willing to believe that it's very difficult to remove in Modern. I don't play Modern, but I'm not sure that that matters, because do other decks really need to remove it in order to accomplish their game plan? 
Uh, I don't play enough modern to know that one way or another. Does does Nor coming down end the game, or is it just like very difficult to remove? But who cares? I mean, uh... I mean, there's there's some some decks in modern are like kind of don't care. Like you have you have um um Merktide Regent that just flies over this, but there's but it loses its it it it, it has to be in play before this comes in because then if you play Merktide, it's an ETB effect. So I think it does lose it because it says it enters the battlefield with plus one plus one counters. So well, entering the battlefield with is different than then. an ability okay, of so an permanent con controls to trigger. So um, Merktide will still get the plus one plus one counters. Oh, okay, yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, but but also Merktide just can't get rid of this outside of drawing Brazen Borrower, and it only plays like one copy of that. So yeah. Elastorm being four power, also you have to think in modern, everyone has like 16 life to start out with, unless you're like you know, a monocolored deck or something, because there's all the fetch shocks and everything going on. So you really only need to attack with Elastorm like three times to win the game, and it's just a vigilance creature that just... I mean, I, I don't see the game be ending, uh, taking too long after Elastor enters the battlefield because that has such cool. a big effect on your opponent, and y your opponent just like can't get rid of this thing. Yeah, interesting. Well, I hope it does find a home because it'll make modern interesting. I think. Oh, for sure. I hope it finds a home too. So that's all we're going to talk about with Elishnorn. Um, Let's talk about Airballs first. And I'm going to have Airball do um, do one. Uh, we're going to go through all of Airballs and then all of Michael's and then all of mine. Um, so we each get a chance to talk about our top fives. Um, go ahead and talk about your first one. That one is the Evolving Adaptive Airball. Yeah, so number five on my list is Evolving Adaptive. For one green, you get a Phyrexian Warrior, which comes into the battlefield with an oil counter on it. It gets plus one, plus one for each oil counter on it. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has greater power or toughness than Evolving Adaptive, put an oil counter on Evolving Adaptive. So it's basically Pelt Collector at home. It's a little bit worse than Pelt Collector used to be because you don't get Trample once it reaches a certain size. But Pell Collector was like a pretty important card in a lot of formats uh, for a while there. It was, a, it was If you're going to play an aggro deck in any format, you absolutely must have good one-drop creatures. It has to pass the Savannah Lion test. So uh, I'm hoping that the addition of things like Evolving Adaptive and like the other one-drops that have Toxic uh, bring aggro back to the format because it'll help shake up the uh, mid-range Miasma meta that exists in Standard right now. Yeah, additionally, I think it's important that it's greater power or toughness, which is kind of cool because, you know, you can kind of play with your deck in a, in a way that, you know, you can slam down some some things that have big, big booties, I guess, and that would still give it an oil counter. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. It doesn't have to just be about the uh, power. Most of the time, like when you have things like this, it's, it's about power. So being an or case is kind of cool. Right. I've experienced this. I was playing a mono green deck few days ago and actually during the early access and i played evolving adaptive and tur on turn two i played the flat the scrap gorger the two mana zero three mana dork and mm -hmm. evolving adaptives grows when you play the zero three so mm -hmm. that that's super relevant um and the zero three ends up becoming a three three for two uh when it has three oil counters on it we're not going to talk about that one too much today but it is a mana dork in the format and it does grow the evolving adaptive uh also the two mana one three that makes your lands into three threes i forgot the name of that one that's from a previous set, maybe Dominary United something, but um, that one also Destiny grows. Spinner? No, not Destiny Spinner. It's a two mana one three mana dork, uh, but it, it, you can turn your lands into three threes. 
Um, anyway, it's in standard, but it also evolves the evolving adaptive. Uh, so in that way, it's better than Pell Collector. Um, it might be better than Pell Collector while, because if you play just an oil counter deck, then you can like start moving the oil counters around or getting ben extra benefits off the oil counters. But it uh, it not having trample is a is a big deal, especially if you're playing a mono green or gruel aggro deck. We do have copper line gorge, and a lot of the green red cards deal with oil counters. There's a new three mana four four that comes in with five oil counters, and you can remove oil counters to give it plus two plus two to end of turn. You can remove one to give it vigilance. You can even kill artifacts or enchantments with it, and that would go well in an, in a, a a gruel aggro shell with evolving adaptive and oil counters. So, um, I do like evolving adaptive. Uh, is it good enough to make aggro good in the mid-range miasma that you called it? I'm not sure. It's kind of like a we'll have to see. But if aggro is good, it probably will have to do with this card, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see whether it's not just good at making aggro good, but whether it will make green good. Because right now, green is far and away the worst card in standard. And I think that even though this card is very powerful in a vacuum, it's not necessarily enough to make green good, and it might just not find a home for that reason. Right. Okay, let's move on to your next card. It is sure. Exuberant Fuseling. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, Exuberant Fuseling, keeping with the one-drop theme. It's for one red, you get a Phyrexian Goblin Warrior with Trample. It's an O1, and it gets what, plus one, plus O for each oil counter on it. How does it get oil counters? Well... When it ETBs, and whenever another creature or artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on it. Unlike most other cards that have this kind of text right now, this does not just trigger once per turn. This triggers every single time something like this happens. So I'm excited to see what happens with this deck in like the Rakdos Anvil decks, where you're sacrificing artifacts, uh, where you're uh, sacrificing creatures. God forbid you put this in Cat Oven or something. This thing can get huge. Oh, yeah being like seven nine power on like turn three or four if you have the nut draw uh this could be terrifying and i really hope it is i i would like those games to end sooner rather than later my thought is this might actually put red black sacrifice in pioneer like back on everyone's radar this card having trample and being a one drop oh and we get black cleave cliffs so you have like a almost guaranteed like turn one red or black source in that deck um, this this having trample like it's 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 have a hard time against mono green and mono green is one of the most played decks in the format because of Karn Great Crater, and Exuberant Fuseling can really attack through almost everything your opponent can put in front of it. The only downside is it just gets chunk blocked by an elf. But I was playing in standard today, actually today, and I played against an Exuberant Fuseling, and they had a couple of these things with blood tokens from Blood Tithe Harvester going off with with the. Uh, with the research, Mistress Research Desk sacrificing and coming back and sacrificing again, and a bunch of things dying. And one of these exuberant fuselings was an 8 1 with trample. And it was, I had to um, play a really expensive removal spell, a really important one, on just this one drop, uh, you know, exuberant fusling. I was like, wow, this card is amazing. So I really got to see the power of it going off. And Rakdos Expert over here. I keep saying it, but Michael, I mean, are you excited to play with this card? Are you are you yeah. playing this? I mean, I'm I'm I am curious to put it in a Rakdos sacrifice shell for sure. I think it's a card that they don't deal with it right away. It can get really big, and then it can be the thing that kills your opponent. Or like, even if it hits your opponent for three or four, like that could 
be set up for you to win the game later like that is it is a it is a good threat you know do i wish it had haste hell yeah but <laughs> it's not gonna have haste. oh my god no 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 <laughs> but uh no it's it's great um i think it's cool because it's kind of cool to play on turn one and your opponent sees it coming it's just like no what do i do do i use my removal on this it really puts it really puts your opponent in some hard decision making with cat oven i can see this fusling getting to like 13 power like oh this thing's gonna yeah. be humongous not thick but like, it's, it's gonna it's not gonna not be I mean, it's the opposite Angry. of thick. That that toughness isn't going to get super high. It's going to stay at one. No. But this can, thing no. can be like a thirteen-one trample. Like you got to watch out for this card in standard and pioneer. Mm -hmm. um, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Airball, talk to us about Phyrexian Arena. All right. So we've had the uh, aggro cards on my list, and now we're moving into the mid range. Phyrexian Arena. Uh, it's a reprint. One and two black. You get an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. You draw a card. Sounds good. And you lose one life which is whatever. And I think Phyrexian Arena is just, like, one of my favorite cards in Magic. It's not gonna... Obviously, it's legal in a bunch of older formats already because it's a reprint. It isn't seeing play in Pioneer. I'm not sure whether that's because it's not legal or whether it's just not powerful enough to make the cut. Possibly both. But in Standard, Phyrexian Arena is this awesome way to gain resources when you're an aggro deck. Getting two draws per turn allows mid-range decks to, like, slant more towards an aggressive approach without being punished for not running cards that replace themselves immediately. And I also just love these double-edged cards, right? Like, cards that give you benefits and hurt you at the same time. It's very black. It's very in keeping with that part of the color pie. It's my kind of magic. I love it. Yeah, I think this is awesome. Excellent, like, standard sideboard card, for sure. Like, in a control thing where they're slotting in everything to kind of kill your creatures you know a phyrexian arena definitely gives a control player like headaches because they're just like they're not supposed to have a card draw and you're just like essentially getting two two cards a turn which is that's that's some cards that's some good card um yeah uh i don't know either if it was it was allowed or not allowed in, in pioneer before this set dropped um but yeah uh really excited to see what people do with it in standard if there's if there's a way to make it happen one thing i know for sure is you can't play this in standard best of one because you get run over by mono red every single match it'd be super sad when you draw phyrexian arena but in best what's, of three what's best of one? Oh yeah it, it's I a it's understand. a format it's a format that a people watch on youtube for magic the gathering arena mm, ah. okay. what's magic arena there's a there's a very popular content creator you know covert go blue that uh <laughs> that that what, <laughs> that uh you know is part of our team and everything that that uh, plays standard in front of like mm. almost 200,000 people. Um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's a, that's a big format, but in best of three, I can really see uh, what you're talking about, Airball, with uh, you get an aggressively slanted mid-range deck, flowing the cards in with Frexian Arena, using up your entire hand, but you're going to use up more than one card per turn and drown out your opponent with aggro. But also, I can there was a, there was a, I don't know, it was Pro Tour like six years ago, Maybe maybe five years ago that people were playing Argel's Bloodfast in their like black red aggro ah. decks and and, mm. and in their like what what was it a uh, like blue black decks and things like that uh, when that card was legal and standard and that card was a house and everyone sideboarded that for control mirrors for mid range mirrors and it was just everywhere and it, it took over games with people having infinite cards in their hand 
and Phyrexian Arena is kind of like in that vein. You did have to t pay two mana and take two life for Argyle's Bloodfast, and it flipped over at the end of the game when you got to like under five life or something. But Phyrexian Arena is kind of in the same vein. It's, it's more mana to begin with than Argyle's Bloodfast, but you don't have to p keep pumping mana into it. So you just get that card flowing for free at the start of your upkeep every turn. So it is the the bob in enchantment form curious to see whether this makes sideboards in standard and in pioneer i don't think it was legal in pioneer before curious to see whether this makes the cut but blue light control decks where you would, would want phyrexian arena and maybe in the mirror match um in the rakdos midrange mirror match you might want a couple copies of this let's move on to the next card and it's a good one I don't know if Mono White Midrange needed more removal in Standard, but here we are with Ossification. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, Ossification. One and a white for, for two total mana. It's an enchantment. Enchant basic land you control. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker. An opponent controls until Ossification leaves the battlefield. So it's kind of an O-ring effect for two instead of three. The downside is you need to enchant a basic land you control. And when I first saw this card, I thought, oh my god, this is going to go in Enigmatic Incarnation. It's just a two-mana kill spell, better chain to the rocks, we're going to sacrifice it, we're going to use it to bring three drops into play, it's exactly what that deck wants. And then I realized it wasn't land with a basic type, it was a literal basic land, which right. made it significantly worse. Uh, nevertheless, I, I am excited to see what this card does in Pioneer in Blue-White Control, because... Right now, blue-white control does not have great answers to planeswalkers at like on rate. And if you can fit enough basics into that deck, which a lot of players already were, even running like uh, the the three mana draw spell that discards a basic land, um, if you can run that many basics in the deck, then ossification becomes playable and it shores up one of the main weaknesses of the archetype. Uh, might make me play blue-white control and pioneer again. Not that you really need to twist my arm to do that. <laughs> I mean, there is Fate Flasks that people are playing, but you, in your control deck, you might not want people drawing extra cards. But um, what do you think about this, Michael? Uh, I mean, Airball said that everything there was. I was reading it, and I didn't know it was basic land that you control, and that is, yeah, it's not a basic type. I was about to be real world there. I was like, we are really worried, because that's like, yeah, Chain to the Rocks. They had Chain to the Rocks in Standard. That's just like, damn. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's hard to deal with, um, at least in the colors I like playing. But no, I mean, good, good, solid card. They balanced it kind of well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I know being on the other side of these type of cards, it's it's definitely a headache. So um, I could see it being really nice in the toolbox of those blue white players. I have started seeing standard decks floating around. That's mono white mid range playing Elishnorn and Ossification and Laydown Arms. And uh, a lot of the cards in that deck already have Enter the Battlefield triggers. Like uh, the Spirited Companion is an Enter the Battlefield draw card. They, they already play the two mana 1-1 one, one that when it enters the battlefield searches a Plains. And then it can become a 3-3 three, three lifelink later on by paying three mana if it has Coven. You know what I'm talking about? I forgot the name of that card off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, am yep. Ambitious Farmhands. Ambitious Farmhands. They already play that. Um... So this kind of just slots in and also is a double trigger with Elshorn and and usually the two mana the two mana cards like this have, usually target a creature with mana value 3 or less. This is any creature. Any creature, yeah. any planeswalker and when you have Elshorn this thing hits two things. So it's super powerful card especially in mono white midrange where you are almost guaranteed to have a basic land in your hand. 
And so you have four yeah. ossification and four lid on arms. Like, holy moly. Yeah, hearing you say that just reminded me that you can actually get it back off Restoration by Gonjo. You can get it too. back off of Restoration by Gonjo. It also plays that in that, and I that, that, the lore counters, the first lore counter is not an Enter the Battlefield trigger, I'm pretty sure. So you can't get double planes off of the Elish Norn from Restoration by Gonjo, but you can still bring back Ossification and get rid of anything your opponent controls. That is enough to buff an already Tier 1 deck in Mono White Midrange and Standard, so... I don't think it makes the cut in in modern because you you can just fetch a basic land super way way easier to guarantee your basic land in modern. So you never know. But chain to the rocks is definitely a good card to be playing as well. So um, let's go over to the last card for you, Airball. That card is the Eternal Wanderer. Tell us about it. Yeah, I had to pick one of the Planeswalkers, and I ultimately settled on Eternal Wanderer. It's uh, six mana, four and two white, for a legendary Planeswalker with no type. Wanderer, one of the only Planeswalkers with no type in Magic. I didn't actually realize that until Yeah, no mm -hmm. name. Weird. Yep. Um, static ability. No more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. And then for loyalty abilities, you can plus one to exile up to one target artifact or creature and return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. You can just zero for, to create a 2-2 two -two white samurai creature token. We've been down this road before, except it has double strike this time, <laughs> which is pretty terrifying. Or you can minus four and note that Eternal Wanderer comes in with five loyalty, so you can just do this right away. Minus four, for each player, choose a creature that that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen this way. Straight up dirty. Pretty, pretty violent. Like, this is, a, this is a pretty insane Planeswalker. It, six mana is a lot to spend, but for what's essentially a board wipe on a Planeswalker stick... And for a, a Planeswalker that protects itself probably better than any Planeswalker print, like, ever printed, honestly. Like, this is not being able to be attacked by more than one creature, coming in with five loyalty and making a double-striking token to protect it. That, that's insane. And it, you can even exile, like, your opponent's tokens, too, to just make them vanish. Like, that's pretty busted. Uh, I don't know if six mana is cheap enough for it to find a home anywhere other than standard or even in standard. But if it does, like... It basically ends the game against aggro decks on the spot. I I think it's gonna find a home in, in some other formats. It has to. Like it is it is a six mana if your if your opponent plays creatures, they lose the game. Like it's <laughs> that's the whole like not more than one creature can attack the eternal wander each combat. Like how the hell how do you kill it? How do you how do you kill it? How do your not, your one creature better be damn good. Yeah, it. I, I don't know how you kill the Eternal Wanderer. I don't. I don't know how. I have an idea. Like, you get to choose the creature, right? It's not yes. each player chooses. Yes, a creature you choose keep, both in the battlefield. Yeah. I have an idea of how to kill it. Ossification. <laughs> <laughs> the, the deck that's playing that. And the card deck that's is, playing it. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? You don't have a creature. I know. You don't have it. <laughs> no. What do you mean? Uh, uh, well, I have actually... You're probably going to need to kill the, the double striking token. That's honestly. true. Um, I've played my share of Eternal Wanderer. i played it in a couple decks so far. Um, early Access and also after Early Access. And I'm playing it in a deck that's based around a card that I'm going to talk about soon, which I'm not going to spoil yet. But I had the chance to play Eternal Wanderer, 
And let me tell you, Chef's freaking Kiss. This card, you're like, oh, sick 1-1 one, one token. Get rid of everything else. I'll keep my biggest creature. Or I'll, or you can set it up to where you're like, uh, shield drill on turn four, whatever else on turn five. Okay, cool. Wandering Emperor, I'll keep my only shield drill on the battlefield. You lose your whole board. Congratulations. Even if, even if they, like, remove Shieldred, they probably can't even get rid of Eternal Wanderer. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that not more than one creature can attack it. So you can make the Double Striker, and if they can't kill the Double Striker on the spot, then how do they get rid of Eternal Wanderer? They just, like, can't. Um, I've, I've probably used the plus one on, our, on my opponent's things more than I've used it on my own things. Like, um, nullifying, yeah. nullifying any creature token on the battlefield is pretty good for a plus one. It's like basically a plus one destroy target token or exile target token. Or it, you get it at the beginning of that player's next end step. So if you, if you blink your own creature, you get it on your next end step, which is right away, basically. If you blink your opponent's creature, it just vanishes from the board until their end step. So they just like, don't even get to attack with it. And it, it, yeah, this, it, it's, this it's kind of feels like it has Oko syndrome, doesn't it? Like, like, doesn't it feel like the kind of card that R and D was like not expecting to be used on opponents' creatures? It was like it obviously intended to be used on your own. Oh, like, but it, it might actually yeah, just be I better mean, in that specific <laughs> yeah. way. Oko treatment. Yeah, if this was like three less mana, we'd be talking about Oko treatment. But you know, <laughs> oh, not in terms of power level, just in terms of like that might have been an oversight. Oh in yeah, design. maybe, but like maybe not. I don't know, like, like you can do crazy, you can do crazy things with this. Like, you can like exile evolving adaptive on your opponent's turn that your opponent controls, and it comes back with like only one plus one plus one counter. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can do. You can reset your own oil counters if you have a creature that makes oil counters when it enters the battlefield. So like, you can do a lot, of, a lot of different stuff with Eternal Wonder, and it probably always stays in the battlefield once you resolve it, unless they have ossification or any kind of other way to deal with Eternal Wanderer. So, uh, gonna be a hard cookie to crack once it enters the battlefield that is for sure uh that ends airball's top five let's go ahead and go into michael's cards talk to us about phyrexian obliterator oh my my little baby boy my my baby boy <laughs> phyrexian obliterator. uh no uh phyrexian obliterator yeah so it is uh black 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 that's four blacks uh for a five five Creature Phyrexian Horror, Trample, whenever a source deals damage to a Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely some fun, interesting ways to utilize this. I think we spoke in the past, uh, one of the past episodes, um, there's a like fight spell thing that you can do that does something additional on top of it, which is really nasty um and could basically just like wipe your whole opponent's board including their lands if it ends up working out that way um the black 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 is is a steep price to pay as far as like you're you're stuck to mono color for mono black um i know mono black has kind of dipped in the standings but this might be something that maybe can bring it back i don't know but uh it's 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 more than anything it is a card it's a feeling it's a it's a feeling card it's one of those ones it's one of those things that like once you get a taste of what it does you're gonna start trying to build decks and do whatever with it and is it right i don't know but does it feel great when it does the thing it feels really great so um yeah that's what i think about phyrexian obliterator yeah uh, usually people playing mono black for phyrexian obliterator have obliterator have been sneaking in all the green black lands to play fight spells, to have yeah. Phyrexian Obliterator fight something and then force the force the fight. 
uh, and then your opponent is forced to sacrifice that many permanents. Usually Phyrexian Obliterator is just like an unblockable 5-5, <laughs> which is still pretty good. But when your opponent mm -hmm. does block it, they lose a whole bunch of permanents, so they're never going to block it. But they've been using some fight spells in the format to kind of force the interaction. We've seen Bushwhack uh, go into yeah. decks with Phyrexian Obliterator. It can add a basic land from your deck to your hand in case you need, need an extra green or something, or just hit your land drop. But also later on in the game, it helps your Phyrexian Obliterator fight stuff. There's also Tail Swipe, which is pretty good. Which if you use it during your main phase, your creature gets plus one, plus one till end of turn. But it's an instant speed fight spell. So that's kind of crazy. When your opponent goes to kill the Obliterator or something, you can just instant speed fight and they have to sacrifice all their stuff. Um, <laughs> Airball, have you played against Phyrexian Obliterator in standard yet? Or, you know, what are you, are you scared of this card? Mm hmm no on both fronts i have played against it in historic uh and my god is michael ever right that this card is just it, it's a lifestyle choice uh, <laughs> it, it's just a it's just a wonderful feeling when the card mm -hmm. does the thing um it's also i love the double-edged nature like if someone casts justice strike on it where it deals damage to itself uh then then the owner of phyrexian obliterator needs to sacrifice five permanents um but it also just is another one of these cards that you play and it shuts down aggro, right? Like we had the Wandering Emperor uh, or the uh, Eternal Wanderer that shuts down aggro. You have Phyrexian Obliterator. They can't attack into it. Uh, there's the there's another card in the set that I think we'll be talking about later that comes down and just you, it, aggro can't attack into it. So if aggro doesn't have you basically dead to rights by turn four or five, there are the tools to just shut them out completely if you want. And four four black pips we've seen is not that hard with the mana bases that existed even in the last standard. Uh, Invoke Despair uh, is a little easier to cast, but um, four black pips is not the end of the world in uh, a format where black is just the best color. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if your opponent gets down a Flexion Obliterator, good luck. You have to draw into your uh, <laughs> your hard hard removal spells immediately. And there's a lot of good four drops now. There's Flexion Obliterator and Shieldred in that black deck, so um, might see that creep up into standard even more than it already has. All right, moving on. Let's go for Capricious Hellraiser, Michael. Yeah. Uh, so Capricious Hellraiser, three red, red, red. Creature Phyrexian Dragon, 4-4. Four, four. This spell costs three less to cast if you have nine or more cards in your graveyard. It has flying, and then it says when uh, this card enters the battlefield, exile three cards at random from your graveyard, choose a non-creature, non-land card from among them, and copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Um... I don't know how well it's going to do in standard, but in older formats like historic or um, even I don't know what they're doing in 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 alchemy nowadays. I don't know if that's a format anymore. Uh, but like pioneer and modern, like there are some funny things that you can be doing, and um, you could build your deck in such a way. This is a you know I don't know if we talked about this in a pod, in the podcast, but this is a card that requires you to build your whole deck in a certain way. Um, you know, and if you're not having to do that, then your deck is just really strong. Um, but you def you definitely want to build your deck in a certain way so that uh, you can utilize that uh, that ability because then you can cast some like some pretty broken stuff as long as it's in it hits the right three. But there's there's ways to manipulate and do things like that. So I think it's one to look out for as far as how powerful it is in standard. I'm not quite sure, but um also, this is another card that's like, if it does the thing, you're 
you're having a good time and your opponent is definitely not having a good time. Right. A couple things I want to say about this card is that uh, Aspiring Spike put together five different decks in Modern because he because this card, Cursus Hellraiser, was the his favorite card in the set, or he said it was mm-hmm. might be the best card in the set. Uh, so he put together a bunch of brews, and he's still working on those decks, but um, that's that's a pretty high praise for this card from him. So um, we have that going for it. But there's a different thing that, about this card that I got destroyed by in the early access. Super destroyed. So they put Capricious Hellraiser in the in the graveyard with a, a Boros reanimator deck and then played the um, Invoke Justice card to bring Hellraiser mm-hmm. back, put a bunch of counters on it, and then Hellraiser exiled Invoke Justice again, and then Invoke Justice was cast again, bringing back another Hellraiser, <laughs> and then the Hellraiser <laughs> triggered again, all on the same turn as like a Storm Hellraiser combo thing. And I got demolished, so um, I, I don't think you're casting this for triple red that cost three less if you have nine or more cards in grave. I think you're trying to put this in the graveyard and then reanimating yeah, it and then casting yeah. your reanimate spell back again with this. I think mm-hmm. that's what you're trying to do. And you also just get a, a four four flyer that casts spells for free. So, uh, Airball, what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, I think a lot of how good this card will be in standard comes down to how well you can manage your graveyard and how reliably you can get it into play. So a reanimator shell is good, but there's a lot of great graveyard hate available in colorless that will make it very hard. So those reanimator shells have not really broken through because unlicensed terrace is in every freaking sideboard and it's just GG for a lot of these decks. Um, you can also just keep your opponents from casting it fairly with unlicensed terrace. So that's another thing that you need to be able to deal with. And you also need to like make sure that the card that you hit off Hellraiser is actually impactful on the game to be worth the like for the juice to be worth the squeeze. I remember playing Arcane Bombardment decks in Standard, and obviously this card is better than Arcane Bombardment. But one of the hardest things about that card was making sure that you hit the spell that you wanted to hit rather than some cantrip that you weren't just hitting like Consider off of your uh, <laughs> yeah. off of your six mana enchantment. Um, I don't know how many good ways there are to manipulate the graveyard right now you don't have escape you don't have delve you don't have anything like that i i'm curious to see like how often this card is actually good when it hits the board in standard if this car- uh, one last thing i want to say about this is if this card gets broken it's probably going to be in like pioneer or modern because it just has the yeah. extra tools to do so so mm-hmm. anyway let's go ahead and move on to the next one and this is a spicy one Encroaching mm-hmm. Mycosynth. Oh my goodness. I'm curious to see what you have to say about this one, Michael. Yeah, Encroaching Mycosynth. Three blue, three in a blue artifact. It says, nine-line permanents you control are artifacts in addition to the other types. The same is true for permanent spells you control and nine-line permanent cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Um, Yeah. That's the scary think... part. That's the scary part. Uh, yeah, yeah, not on the battlefield, like, right? Because if you're a graveyard, even things in exile, like, if that ever matters, like... Hand deck. Count. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. This... The reason why I picked it, I, I don't like artifact chads. I don't. They <laughs> something, something about them, they're just not right. Their brains don't like <laughs> the way they look at the world, how their eyes move, they, even the way they blink. It's all messed up. Anyway... But I know, I know they're out there. I know they listen to us. You're fine. You're great. You Power stones. Um. Anyway, um. This 
when you have something that you know magic has a long history of like a bunch of artifacts and they do powerful things and it changes the game state in such a not game state well yeah it does it changes it changes a big rule in the game that like other than your lands almost everything in the world is artifacts and there's things that care about artifact counts and are cheaper because of artifacts or get powered up because of artifacts or xyz and if you make everything artifact you know that is it is doing something in such a big degree to your state of the game not your opponents but your state of the game that you could take a big advantage of and so i'm not even trying to think about oh it goes into this deck or this card's going to be great at it or xyz it's just like no like this is fundamentally changing your side of the board um when you play it and so that to me you know that can seem scary or powerful so that's that's why i put it on my list yeah, I mean, there's also a card that's super playable right now in a lot of formats, Abrade. If you play Accroaching Microsynth, I'm just going to, like, Abrade your non-artifact and just, like, I can kill anything well, yeah. you have, which is a huge downside of this card. There's, like, Besaidju that kills any artifact. There's a lot of artifact and enchantment hate, which does make all of your cards susceptible no matter what they are to any of those cards, which is, like, a super big downside. But the super big upside is that like Emery can bring anything back out of your graveyard and that's super duper scary. Uh, there's also cards that cert that uh, look at the top X cards of your library and get an artifact to your hand that can get anything. And so uh, that's also super scary. I, I feel as a counterpoint though, the Abrades and, and the Besejus, like, I don't, I think this becomes a lightning rod for that. Like, because you don't want a chance, like, they're getting set up and you're like, oh, I'm just going to kill this thing that I think I care about right now. And then they still have access to this being such a big game state changer. So I think, to be honest, like, the Besager or the Braid's going to be going towards this thing. I, At least that's kind of how I would process it. Unless the decks are built in a certain way. But I'm just like, why don't you just hit this thing? Because, like, yeah, everything becomes that. But now you did it for one card and they're probably going to get gassed up because this is still on the board. Yeah, what, what is your what's your first take on this, Airball? My first take on it is like, oh, that's cool, and that's probably going to break something. But the more I think about it, the more I realize this card needs to thread a very, very small needle to see play in anything. Because most of the decks that are built around Artifact Matters things are already running a pretty huge density of Artifacts, and this card doesn't affect them in any way, if they're already Artifacts. Mm -hmm. So it has. So you're spending four mana in... It doesn't go in Artifact Matters hardcore synergy decks because it doesn't do anything in those decks. It needs, But it needs to be in a deck where things care about Artifacts and are willing to pay four mana and do otherwise nothing to make those Artifacts, uh, to, to increase the amount of Artifacts synergy in the deck. And I feel like that's something that's better addressed during deck building than with this, than with this card. I, I don't really see a home for it. I, I don't know where you would put it. I, I think it's a home that we just haven't discovered yet. There's so many undiscovered things. I, I I really think that this card is just a part of some kind of infinite combo. Like the, the, you can you can even play a um, the goblin in like commander or whatever that um, you know dumps any artifact from your deck to the grave, and then it lets you dump any permanent from deck to grave because you have encroaching microthens in play. So there's probably some kind of crazy combo with this card, and that's probably where I see the best home for this. 
Yeah, definitely Commander, I think, is probably the best place for it, because you have to play 100 cards, and you don't want all of them to be artifacts, but your Commander might care about artifacts in a big way. Right. Uh, I, I could see it there, but I don't really see it anywhere else. All right, moving on to the next one. We have Phyrexian Vindicator. We alluded to this one a little bit earlier, but talk about this one, Michael. This one's scary. Yeah. So Phyrexian Vindicator, white, 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 white. Um, creature Phyrexian Horror 5-5. Five, five. It's flying. It's flying. Uh, if, yeah, why is it flying? Delta, yeah, I, it, I mean, it has huge fleshy wings. But <laughs> uh, if damage should be dealt to Phyrexian Vindicator, prevent that damage. When damage is prevented that way, Phyrexian Vindicator deals that much damage to any target. Um, I mean, this thing's pretty nasty. Um, I mean, it does get to fly over anything, but if if... You do end up doing damage to it, you know, depending what state of the game is. This can just be unblockable in a weird way because that might just kill you. Or, you know, if you don't, even if you, let's say, unholy heat it or something in another format or hit it with a lightning bolt or hit it with some sort of damage spell, like, it, that's not great. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just an interesting card. And I, I don't know what kind of ways you can do to abuse things like this but it does seem like it seems like a cool card and you know it's it it's like Brexian obliterators like little brother uh you know i think it's interesting to see what what it does yeah i, I posted a poll uh a question on twitter uh when i first saw this card announced and asked how many infinite combos there are with this because there's probably so many of them especially in commander where the card pulls infinite but uh, i just thought about this while you were talking michael when you have two Phyrexian Vindicators in play, it's not even legendary, but like, say you copy this with Reflection of Kiki Jiki or something, and then you and then something damages this, you can keep bouncing them back from Vindicator to Vindicator over and over and over again, because it says any other target. It can't target itself. But if it targets another Vindicator, you just keep bouncing the damage back and forth forever. Like, yeah, and like then the you, judge comes over and like, tells you to stop it. Like, no, like, I mean, like, yeah. shoots you with a little no, spray no, bottle. I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, you can you can do that, but like, if you had something that triggers when that would happen or when or when that happens then it's then you can kill your opponent and it, there could be something like that with in standard or pioneer or modern or something where if you do have two of these out it can be some kind of combo like th this this like feels like super combo card to me but it's also a format of five five flyer that you can never attack into and just if there's no answer to it you just win the game kind of like brexian obliterator so airball what do you have to say about this one yeah, this one has the misfortune of existing in a standard meta where all the removal was white and black and not damage-based. Um, and a lot of the game is decided based on those single-target removal spells, not, like, actual creature combat. So I think that this is going to have, like, I don't know that this is going to have a great spot in current standard, but it's an incredibly powerful effect that does just shut down aggro, right? Like, <laughs> attacking into this is suicide. What are you going to What are you going to do? Um, and it's hard to even go super wide uh, against it too, um, because it'll it'll mow down two things. It'll deal its own five damage to whatever it blocks, and then it'll deal that damage, uh, the extra damage to another creature on the opponent's side of the board. This is a tough one to get through. Right, and and one thing I do want to mention about this is in mono white mid range in standard, if you sideboard a couple of these things against any aggro deck you play against ever, green green red aggro never beating you. Mono red aggro never beating you. Like by the time you draw this card, they have to just bolt. They have to like lightning strike your face over and over again to win the game. Like they no longer uh, no, can no, beat no. you. 
No, no. Uh, our our hero returns. Questing Beast will come back. Oh my goodness. And one of the lines on Questing Beast, damage cannot be prevented. So I guess that's, stomp, that's stomp also? Answer. Like stomp yeah. also? Stomp also, yep. So, I mean, outside of damage can't be prevented stuff, Rexing and Vindicator out of the sideboard says you can't lose the game. <laughs> it's basically a uh, Platinum Angel or whatever it's called uh, as a four-mana card. So anyway, that one's super strong. We'll see how that one does in, in certain formats that you enjoy. Um, we'll talk about the next one, and this is the last one for Michael. Talk to us about Hivar, Jubilant Bowler. <laughs> I mean, Brawler. Ah, uh, the Bowler. Uh, <laughs> so Tyvar, ju Jubilant Brawler. I have to, like, focus now. Um, Legendary Planeswalker comes in with three loyalty counters. You may activate abilities on creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. It has a plus one on tap one up to one target creature, and it has a minus two mill three. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, and the reason I only put this on here uh, was like in sacrifice things when your thing is tapped and you can't really do anything yet uh, with it. Uh, but there's there's probably some cool other infinite combo stuff and all these cool things you can do, but. You know, my favorite card, um, my baby card, the card that I, I first bought into was um, Priest of Forgotten Gods. And being able to, Ooh. like, Priest of Forgotten Gods from the rip is just, like, there is no downtime. I'm just priesting you, and then I can untap it. Like, I don't know how you'd have that many creatures, but, like, kind of sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. That's why I put it on this list, and I'm sure there's cool other things you can do with it. But being able to immediately activate it, and then untap it and maybe activate it again is kind of mm -hmm. cool. So, yeah, there's um, some then, real cool stuff. Yeah, the the actually with the sacrifice stuff, it's you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. So I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, we we talked about this card before. Talk about uh, exuberant fuseling, right? You can you can bring back the fuseling with this after they kill it. Uh, there's a lot of artifacts leaving the battlefield. You can untap whatever creature you want use it again reflection of kiki jiki use it untap the reflection use it again <laughs> you can even use reflection of kiki jiki's ability on the same turn that it flips over because you have tyvar in play um you can even use blood tithe harvester the turn that it comes out when you have tyvar in play you can bring back the blood tithe harvester it triggers and makes a blood token then use the blood tithe harvester as soon as it comes back even in modern this card is seeing the most play because you can uh you can tap devoted druid for green and then untap it and then tap it again for green mana and then untap it with tyvar and then do it again and and you can make actually infinite mana with uh with uh, a different white card combined with uh devoted druid to make infinite mana and then you can either attack your opponent with lair of the hydra for game with like an infinite infinite lair of the hydra or you can uh, cast walking ballista for x equals a million and uh dome your opponent in the face with it um and also tyvar lets you have a lot of redundancy by bringing back your combo pieces out of the graveyard since both combo pieces in modern including devoted druid are both two mana so this card does so much stuff in making that deck probably uh, one of the uh, top top tier one or two or three decks in modern again. So a lot of things this can do. I was playing it in standard today. It seemed awesome. I even played a couple cards to mill with this because it mills three cards, then returns one. So I played like a um, 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 an under uh, the the underdog uh, in my deck as well to to mill with this. So um, airball. 
Uh, what are your first thoughts on Tyvar? Are you playing it in Standard or Pioneer? I th actually thought about playing Jund instead of Rakdos just for Tyvar for how good it is with Blood Tide Harvester and Reflection of Kiki Jiki. What are your thoughts, Airball? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think this card should be named Tyvar, Fable of the Mirror Baker's best friend. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's practically built to get Fable of the Mirror Breaker going one turn sooner. It plays so well with all the cards that Fable of the Mirror Breaker already plays super well with. Um, and being able to like run it multiple times with the plus one ability is just kind of insane. Um, I don't think in Pioneer that it's going to be worth the splash of green mana, like the lack of like Rakdos's main draw in Pioneer. One of them is that it's just so damn consistent. Uh, introducing inconsistency in the form of uh, the green splash might be a little too much, unless there's something else you're willing to put there. But in standard, my God, how many times have you? known that you need to kill a fable of the mirror breaker and you at least get one more turn because it was summoning sick when it flipped mm -hmm. you, you don't get that anymore with this um fable of the mirror breaker flipping effectively one turn sooner is insanity uh th this could be a big player in jund and standard right the fact that you can use reflection and then untap it and then use it again is absurd so I mean, there's some massive power level upgrade to that uh for jund in standard so super excited about that awesome card uh as your last card michael so let's go ahead and go into my cards i have to name this card because i love niv mizzet reborn so much and it it must be in my top five it's atraxa grand unifier it's seven mana total three and a green and a white and a blue and a black that's a lot to say but it's a legendary creature phyrexian angel it's a seven seven flying vigilance death touch lifelink can we say questing beast uh, when attracts a grand unifier enters the battlefield reveal the top 10 cards of your library exactly like nib visit reborn for each card type you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order Artifact, Creature, Enchantment, Instant, Land, Planeswalker, and Sorcery are card types, but it also includes one card type that we don't have yet, and it's gonna, Magic's gonna introduce a brand new card type, Battle. We don't know what it does yet, but it's called Battle, and this card specifically mentions that card type, but I have played this card, I play it, it's my favorite best of three deck to play right now, just Atraxa. And I'm hard casting it. I'm reanimating it. My sorceries, my my sorceries are like sweepers and reanimate spells for Atraxa because I have a small reanimate synergy. I have some instants which are removal spells, and faithful mending is my other instant. My I have um, enchantments like wedding announcement and um, and restoration of Iganjo. I have a bunch of creatures. You play Planeswalker, so I'm playing Wandering Emperor, and I'm playing the Eternal Wanderer, the one that you were talking about, Airball. So there's a bunch of cards that you just get to play, and this card gets four to six cards every single time it enters the battlefield, and the Eternal Wanderer can exile this, and it comes back on your end step, and it triggers again, looking at the top 10 and adding a bunch of cards to your hand again. So basically, once you resolve this card, you win the game, similar to the Visit Reborn. I love big mana decks that do awesome things. Airball, what do you think about a Traxic Rain Unifier? Well, one thing that irrationally bothers me about it is that you can't live the Niv-Mizzet dream, which is flipping 10 cards and getting to put all 10 of them into your hand. The maximum you're ever going to get off a Trax is going to be eight, because those are the eight types uh, that, that the card names, whereas Niv-Mizzet, you could hit one of each of the 10 guilds right. and put all 10 into your hand. So that's disappointing, just on its face. Uh, drawing eight cards probably still good enough if you manage to pull it off, though. Um, pretty cool. Four colors is a lot. Um, getting hit by disdainful stroke kind of sucks, and it's kind of like this weird 
you, you kind of have this weird problem in standard where like there are a lot of cards that effectively win the game for like seven or eight mana but like they just get hit by disdainful stroke or make disappear or any random counter spell and so if they touch the board you win and if they don't you lose and most of the good decks in the format right now with uh with the exception of like mono white are running that uh that interaction but um if we do move towards more non-blue decks then this card just uh, wins the game on the spot just make it to turn seven yeah, I mean, the, the, this includes artifacts. I didn't mention my artifacts that I was playing before, but I'm playing a, a Celestis, and I'm also playing four of the green artifact that's actually a treasure, but it makes a 1-1, one, one, and it can draw three cards if you pay five mana into it. That one's been pretty good. You can bring it back with the Restoration of Iganjo and ramp again. There's a lot of ramp you can do to attract it to uh, um, you know, play it ahead of schedule, but um, Michael, what are your first thoughts about Atraxa? Uh, same vein as, as the airball, like it's a lot of mana. And but I mean if you're able to play it, it's it's great. Um yeah, I and all this keyword soup on it is is pretty is pretty good. But yeah, hopefully you can cheat it out. Um yeah, I I, I think if you can cheat out or or accelerate your mana towards this, this is definitely something that is scary and it and it's uh um no, yeah, I think that's I mean that's that's the card. It's a big mana, big mana, big scary thing. Yeah, <laughs> my thing is like, why does this card have death touch? Like, what's gonna block this? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Quad block it, and then with a bunch of flyers, it also has flying, so it's not like you're blocking this with much. And then it has death touch. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, so it's just an irrelevant piece of text, but I, I guess it, it's part of the flavor with it being black. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and go on to my next card, and I love this one. It's Void Wing Hybrid. This is probably one of the most abusable cards that I've seen in a while out of a new set. It's a, uh, a creature, Phyrexian Bat. It's a 2-1 blue-black flyer with Toxic 1. When you proliferate, return Voidwing Hybrid from your graveyard to your hand. So you can discard this card, like Liliana of the Veil, and then add it back when you proliferate with like a Vraska, with a new Vraska that's zero to proliferate, like draw a card, lose a life, proliferate. There's a bunch of blue cards and black cards that all proliferate. So you can just totally abuse bringing this back to your hand, let alone having more than one of these in your graveyard. You, you, like, it's just, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, this is just the supreme amount of card advantage that just keeps flowing to your hand over and over and over. My opponent, when I was playing this, had Liliana of the Veil in play on their board. And then I just kept discarding Voidwing Hybrid and I had like three Void Reading Harvests coming back from my graveyard to my hand every single turn because I was just utilizing discard, discard to discard that for myself, discarding it from my opponents, playing one, chump blocking with it, proliferate at all three back. It was kind of crazy. I mean, there's so many things you can do with this. Uh, Airball, what do you think about Void Wing Hybrid? Yeah, my first instinct is this is a little small ball, right? Like it, it's a 2-1 flyer for two. Fine. Um, and you need to proliferate a lot to get any further value out of it. And I have not seen evidence that there is an actual good proliferate deck yet. If there is, and it and it lives in blue-black, and blue-black has nothing else to be doing, um, then, yeah, sure, I think this is fine. But I, it'll take some convincing for me to think that this card is any good. Michael? Uh, I mean, yep. Airball. I'm I'm following Airball's lead today, but same <laughs> same kind of thing. It's just good like, idea. Yeah, yeah terrible yeah. idea. Uh, great idea, great idea. You know, sometimes the Rakdos and the Azorius player can see eye on things. 
let's see. No, yeah. Uh, if you're able to get it back to your hand a lot, that's good. You know, if it's doing chump duty, I don't know if that's like where it wants to be. Um, toxic is certainly on this, and maybe you can win via toxic stuff and proliferation. Uh, so that's really good. Um, but I don't know. I think it. I think if it. I'm trying to think about like. I'm just happy it's a two one and it's a flyer. If if it wasn't if it didn't have the two one and flying, um, if if either of those were off, I would be like kind of off of it. But, um, if it works, I it it's a super fun card. And the one thing I do like about it too is the artwork kind of looks like Baleful Strix in a way. It does. I think they um, were trying to go for that. That vibe. Yeah. So that's the vibes the vibes are there i will say that's the good thing i will say about the card is the vibes are there no death touch and no drawing the card but i mean adding it back from your grave to your hand is massive yeah, the good parts yeah like... <laughs> um i mean adding this back to your hand doesn't seem like that big of a deal but of course the things i said before are just a massive flow of card advantage and the card i'm really talking about it's pretty difficult to proliferate every turn unless you have the vraska vraska betrayal sting um, can make any creature into a token with the minus two, and it actually proliferates every single turn, unless your opponent gets rid of it somehow. And it's pretty hard to get rid of because it turns your opponent's creatures into treasures. So, anyway, just one of my one of the uh, cards that I've been playing around with that has really impressed me. Moving on to my next card here, it is Vindictive Flamestoker. This card is a one-mana, one-two creature Phyrexian Wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Vindictive Flamestoker. You can pay six and a red, so seven total mana, sacrifice Vindictive Flamestoker, discard your hand, then draw four cards. This ability costs one less to activate for each oil counter on Vindictive Flamestoker. I'm trying this card in my Rakdos midrange deck in Pioneer. I'm trying this card in my um, Is It Prowess deck in Modern. And every time you get to resolve this, it is absolutely bonkers. And you're like, well, I mean, it's seven mana, right? When are you ever going to get to resolve this? This is a lightning rod for removal also. Uh, so your opponent kind of has to get rid of this. If this thing has like three or four counters on it. Just like throughout the game, you cast Vindictive Flamestoker turn one. Turn two, you go like Thoughtseize, put an oil counter on this. Fatal Pusher thing, put an oil counter on it. All right, go ahead and stomp this, put an oil counter on it. Um, cast Fable the Mirror Breaker, put an oil counter on it. And then all of a sudden, this thing has four oil counters on it. And your opponent is forced to get rid of this unless you're going to like play the last two cards in your hand and draw four cards. It, it, it's absolutely a lightning rod necessary to get rid of. And of course, in modern, you have a bunch of free spells, especially in my prowess deck. You have Mistress Bobble at zero mana. You have, um, you have the, the Phyrexian mana pump plus two plus two card that get, that puts a counter on this lightning bolt, the whole nine yards, right? In modern, it's uh, a lot higher power level. You can draw four cards with Vindictive Flame Soaker as early as like turn two or three of the game. So, that that is obviously very powerful. Uh, what are you? What are your first impressions on this airball? Yeah, I mean, this card reminds me a ton of Bomat Courier. Um, it's the same effect: discard, discard your hand, and probably draw four cards. Bomat Courier. By the time you were cracking, it was usually probably about two, three, four cards. Um, except it's a lot easier to achieve that effect than it is with Bomat Courier. Bomat Courier needs to get in. Uh, it needs to actually attack. This mm -hmm. one doesn't. This one just needs you to cast opt, consider whatever, and you're doing that all the time anyway. And especially in, like, a Madness Shell, which is, like, my dream for this card, mm -hmm. you discard your handful of Madness cards and draw four. Uh, get to cast them all and then draw four. Yeah, no, this this card, it, it makes me feel some kind of way. I like it. What are you, what are you doing with this card, uh, Michael? Probably doing something spicy. Uh, I mean, probably 
you know, uh, if if uh, what is that the the Arcanist Dread Dreadhorn Dreadhorn Arcanist, Arcanist yeah and vindictive Blaine Stoker they like holding hands and, and <laughs> you know uh, chouncing through the Rakdos Circus lands uh, of course um, but no I think you know maybe I'm trying to figure out the average of the card is like four for four right you use four you know you you pay four to draw four which is super good. You know, um, so I think I think maybe that's kind of where you're. It's it's still really solid. Um, yeah, I think if if you're able to do the four for four or five for four or three for four, like that's a sweet spot. So like, you're drawing you're drawing. I, I guess you're discarding cards, but you're drawing four cards. Oh, you're like you're that's... definitely discarding nothing with this. Like either you're discarding madness cards, you're discarding like. A card like this is instant speed also like i've used this in my upkeep for one mana with zero cards in hand drawn four then drawn for turn for five cards like this, this card does, yeah. is actually insane i think it doesn't even matter if you discard the cards like it doesn't you're drawing four new cards like right chances are two of those cards are not great for the situation or something it's like i don't know even if you discarded five cards to draw the four like those are probably five cards you probably didn't need and that's why you're activating this ability it doesn't it doesn't matter how much cards you're discarding. Like if you're clicking this, it means you need four fresh cards, which is sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one thing I do want to say as a little caveat of cards like this is is what is the floor, right? The floor is I draw this on turn eleven and I play it. Is it good, right? And I in standard, there's so many lands in the deck and there's like no fetches to where you're gonna have like eleven lands in play and you're just gonna cast this and immediately use the seven and draw four. So it's like an eight. It's like top deck late game eight mana draw four which isn't the best thing ever but in standard that is definitely not bad <laughs> you know i mean I'm, I'm thrilled to cast memory deluge for seven and that only gets me two. Oh but yeah yeah this thing draws four cards so i mean i can go on and on about this card i'm trying it in, in so many decks i have like foil borderless ones eight copies of them i'm just in love with this card anyway moving on to the next one that one is minor misstep this one is more of a card for modern and maybe pioneer, probably not. But I see this more as a counterspell for other removal spells. If you're, if you, it's like kind of like a Tamiyo safekeeping, but with a little bit better upside. This is a one mana instant minor misstep counter target spell with mana value one or less. So um, this can counter free spells, of course. That's not relevant in standard, but of course relevant in modern. There's so many free spells in modern, but between. Um, let's see, there's a free counterspell in modern, there's um, crashing footfalls in modern, there's living end in modern, those are all cast for free, there's Mishra's Bobble, which is free, not to mention all the one mana cards like Ragavan, when your opponent like top decks and dashes it in, you just counter it, it can counter anything, it's any target spell, not non-creature spell like you're used to with some cards like this, um, you can counter so many different cards and so many different matchups and decks, that I, this is so high on the list for me because of its modern playability. In standard, probably not at all, unless you really want to counter your opponent's cutdown <laughs> or like duress or something. Maybe there's some one mana card you want, but probably not playable, playable in standard. Trying to find a way to, to see if this is good in Pioneer, but I don't think it's good in Pioneer unless there's a super polarizing matchup that uses a one mana or less uh, card but this is more of a modern shout out for me and being a very good card in that format um what is your first impression of minor misstep airball 
Oh, well, I'm not going to say too much about this card because I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a modern card. I don't think there's really much that this card counters that Spell Pierce doesn't do a better job of countering in Standard and Pioneer. Um, and this card has a much, much, much lower floor than Spell Pierce does in those formats. Uh, so I'm not. I'm willing to say that it will be bad in those two. I am not smart enough or experienced enough to say what will happen in Modern. I'm interested to hear what Michael has to say. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. <laughs> it's me, Michael. Um, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, uh, I don't know, because like Spell Pierce is good, and um, and it's already doing so much heavy lifting in Modern. I don't know, and it, it can hit stuff that isn't one mana or less. So. Unless I feel like unless some metas start pulling towards like a certain way, then we're not playing this card. But if it, yeah, I think it's a sideboard card. I definitely know it's a sideboard card, and I feel like it's very meta dependent. If you know Merktide is doing well and some of the Cascade decks are doing well, then this is something that we can play. Yep. However, you know. The one thing about modern is there's 50 11 decks, and you can come across 50 11 of those decks mm -hmm. any given Wednesday, Friday, tournament, whatever. Um, so unless like you know you are at your local meta, and you know there's a whole bunch of like you know effects that are one or less mana that people are playing, then yeah, play this. But I think Spell Pierce does a pretty good job at making sure it's 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 open to. Um, many things and not just one mana spells so right um i think i think the word that where this takes the cake over spell pierce and flusterstorm because remember that one's in modern too and yeah because spell pierce and flusterstorm are like the main cards to play against living end and crashing footballs and yeah. and your opponent can play around those by just making a couple more land drops and then playing the cards Whereas right. with Minor Misstep, it just hard counters it. So that, that's the only other yeah. thing I have to say about it is it's much better as the game goes along and, um, and not as always being as good as Spell Pierce and Flusterstorm is when they have it exactly on curve. But Minor Misstep is just all the time. So that's the shout out I have for this card. And I just had to put it on the list, even though it's not relevant for Standard and Pioneer, but just because of how good I think it will be cool. in Modern. Um, let's yeah. go ahead and go over to my last card. And that is Venerated Rot Priest. I had to put this on here. Uh, it's taking standard best of one by storm, no pun intended, because you can really storm off with this card with toxic counters. But it also makes a deck in modern much more playable than it used to be, which is in fact. But let's talk about it. Venerated Rot Priest is a one green for a one two Phyrexian Druid, toxic one. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So super relevant, um, especially in modern. I'm not going to talk too much about modern, but usually in modern, um, you have to, in the infect deck, actually attack your opponent and deal combat damage. So there's a lot of things that are unblockable that you play, and there's a lot of things that pump up your thing so that they're harder to block. But with this, you don't actually have to attack to deal damage, to deal uh, um, poison damage. You just target your things. A lot of the things that you do against infect is to just target kill your opponent's creatures, and if you can do that over and over again, you're probably going to win the game. Not so fast against Venerated Rot Priest. You target it, and then they you can just protect your own card. They get two poison counters just from that one interaction, let alone having more than one of these on the board. They'll take four poison counters, so they're almost halfway dead just on that interaction if you have double double Venerated Rot Priest in prey. 
in play. In standard, it's super scary because there's a card that was never ever played before, which is March of Burgeoning. I don't even know what it's called. The Green March that no one ever played ever. And when you have a Venerated Rock Priest on turn one, and then you play the Green March on turn two, exiling a green card from your hand and holding up interaction, you have two Venerated Rock Priests on the board and you targeted the Rock Priest to get another Rock Priest, right? So you have two Rock Priests now and you can play March of Swirling Mist to target a bunch of Rock Priests you control and phase them out. But each individual instance of the spell counts as an instance. So uh, today I had three Rock Priests in play and had a... A, uh, and, and played the the blue March of Swirling Mist, and opponent took nine poison damage with that one card interaction. So, absolutely crazy. I see this making a wave in standard for sure. Um, Airball, what do you think about Venerator Rock Priest? Yeah, I... It's not it's not good. It's not even in standard, but when you were talking about that, it reminded me of that Goldspan Dragon deck with uh, Show of Confidence. The yeah, one that just sort of, like, yeah. Masturbated for a little while and just cast, like, uh, Big Score and... Uh, uh, unexpected windfall over and over again and then just stormed off for 10 except instead of like 10 gold span dragon triggers it's just you lose the game if you could pull off something yeah. like that obviously that's not going to be good here but I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head um, I, I think that this is a really cool card um, I it makes me wish that there was like a better answer to poison than standard because I don't remember looking through the standard um the standard spoiler and seeing any really good answers to having poison counters put on you. There's not. Um, this this has like all the markings of a very difficult card to interact with that will sometimes just kill you super quickly and you're going to get kind of pissed about it, but there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I think those scenarios, uh, the scenarios can sometimes be rare, but yeah, if you can't, if you can't deal with this and they have, you know, protection and all that stuff, then you do die from it and, if they have it they got it like it's, yeah. it's 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 a card that you know um yeah it's it's definitely taking advantage of another win condition that your opponent may have really soon in the game and it's just like well just time to wrap it up and go home like yep I don't, so yeah, you, i mean i mean it's, it's happened to me where i was so concerned with getting rid of my opponent's rock priest that i forgot that this thing deals when it deals combat damage also gives you a toxic and then just like lost mm -hmm. to them attacking <laughs> yeah like if, if you don't put a blocker in front of it it also gets to do an additional toxic just by attacking you so i mean this can really get out of hand the one thing i do have to say about this card in standard is that the decks that will play this will do like hardly anything when this card's not in play so mm -hmm. um they're gonna play like a ledger shredder or like a an ivy and then you're going to deal with that, and they're going to protect their IV, but then they don't have Rot Priest, so they're not actually dealing you Toxic and killing you. So it's kind of like a back and forth of, like, when they have Rot Priest and the and the uh, the card, that the March that gets a second Rot Priest, if they don't have, like, that turn one, turn two play, it's going to be, a, like, a lot harder for them to win. So you kind of have that that in the back of your head. Also, it's easy to not target this card in standard right now because there's Liliana of the Veil, there's Invoke Despair, there's um, there's also the new shield, there's Edict. There's a lot of cards that kind of Edict the Rock Priest away uh, that you can play if this deck ever becomes a huge thing. So uh, anyway, that is that is all for our 15 cards. If you do have any other cards that you do want us to mention or do an honorable mention or maybe even do another episode about, let us know in the comments over on YouTube or uh, let us know on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about any other cards? Uh, Airball, Michael, any last thoughts, last words about some new cards in the set? Not from me. Uh, I think that it's kind of telling that 
all five of us came up with our own lists independently, and we each came up with five separate cards. I know. There's a lot of cool stuff in this <laughs> set that all does different stuff, and one of them, like just the shotgun method, one of them is probably going to be good. So I'm excited to see which one it turns out to be. Uh, nothing for me other than Glissa Sunslayer. I hope that's a good card because I heard that that's had a history or a past for lots of people who used to play Magic back in the day. So it'd be cool if that 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 card saw play and did some stuff. Yes, I I do love Glissa, especially you get to draw a card every turn. It's a first strike death toucher. Like it's basically unblockable. Like there's a lot of things I can say about Glissa. It's super good. But uh, mm -hmm. anyways. Thank you so much to everybody for listening, especially those to you made it this far. You're the real ones. Make sure to give us a follow and see our next see our next episodes. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod, and we will see you in the top eight. Get away! Don't all talk at once. Yeah. <laughs>